The So Av Podcast. Hello, welcome to the So Aft podcast with me, Enor Adeogan, a multimedia journalist with a passion for all things African. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the situation an overwhelming number of females face in Africa, no access to safe abortions. Roughly 93% of women of reproductive age on the continent live in countries with restrictive abortion laws. I'm going to ask Nigerians if we should celebrate or fight against it. Ethiopia has been ranked the worst country in the world for access to toilets at homes. I'm going to share a great way you can help change this. Today's spotlight is on Biafra. I've always wanted to know why so many people think Nigeria would be better off if it's split. Well, we'll hear from the London leader of the indigenous people of Biafra, better known as IPOB, to find out why he thinks there's no other option. But first, here are the headlines. Anyone that knows me well will know I'm a big reader. I always have a list of books I want to read and I get beyond excited when I finish a book and have to decide what the next one is that I'm going to get fully immersed in. Well, while I'm not a big fan of autobiographies, if done well, I can find them just as enjoyable as fiction. And I definitely want to get my hands on Nigeria's former president, Goodluck Jonathans. He launched his autobiography in the capital, Abuja, and his replacement, Mr. President Muhammadu Buhari himself, was invited. Not sure if he attended. Anyway, the book is called My Transition Hours. Clashing in Ethiopia is devastating the country. Since July, more than 200,000 people have fled into camps because of ethnic conflicts in the border of Ethiopia's Oromia and Somali regions. There aren't many aid groups in these camps and families are arriving on a daily basis, so resources are overstretched. If you're someone that likes to support people in need, don't just wait for adverts from Oxfam to prompt you to give. There are so many countries like Ethiopia that desperately need aid. The Norwegian Refugee Council is one of the groups that's actually in the camps helping. There's a new dance craze that's as silly as the best of them are. It's called Malwedhe, which means illness in English. The man behind the song, King Monada, says in the chorus, and I quote, I have an illness of fainting. So to do the dance, you have to act as if you're fainting. Now, it's being criticized by Epilepsy SA, which is an organization that provides specialist services for people living with epilepsy. They've claimed his song, and I quote again, clearly references persons with epilepsy falling down during a seizure. But in his defense, it does seem people came up with the dance craze themselves as there's no video for the song where people do that dance. Here's the song. (laughs) 
There are some disturbing pictures and videos that are being shared on social media by people in Sudan of young men's afros being shaved off by former Janjaweed forces. Now, the Janjaweed militia are backed by the government and are the same group that were accused of carrying out atrocities in the western region of Darfur in the early 2000s. Atrocities such as going into villages that were deemed as sympathetic to rebels, burning them to the ground, killing the men and raping the women. Well, now they've been renamed the Rapid Support Forces and they haven't, I believe, been tasked with behaving as fashion police, excuse the pun, and shaving men's afros, but with tracking down traffickers and stopping migrants heading to Europe. There's some good news, hopefully soon to be announced from Tanzania, as the World Bank's Vice President for Africa, Havez Ganem, has said that Tanzania will only receive a loan worth £243 million, or $300 million, to improve education once it's granted access to schools for teenage mothers. The East African nation currently has a messed up policy where teenage mothers are prohibited from restarting school after giving birth. Last year, the country's president, John Magafuli, claimed young mothers would be distracted if they were allowed back in school. Here's a quote from the man himself. After calculating some few mathematics, she'd be asking the teacher in the classroom, let me go out and breastfeed my crying baby. Sigh. No words. The SOAF Podcast. I knew I would eventually have to discuss abortion, but to be honest, I haven't been looking forward to this day. Not because I'm unclear on my own opinion about abortion, but because of the sensitivity of the topic, especially in an African context. But I want this podcast to be a space where we can hear different opinions about sometimes very challenging topics, particularly when there's a clear distinction between how something is perceived in Africa as opposed to the West. Abortion is a clear example of this. The majority of people in the West support a woman's right to have abortions, and most countries in the West allow it. And if they don't, the cry from the general public is setting them on a path of change. So the reason we're talking about abortion today is because Kenyan authorities have banned the international health organization Marie Stopes from offering any form of abortion services in the country. According to the Gut Matcher Institute, which is a research and policy organization committed to advancing sexual and reproductive health and rights, roughly 93% of women of reproductive age in Africa live in countries with restrictive abortion laws. And in countries where the law allows abortion under limited circumstances, it's likely that few women are actually able to obtain a safe legal procedure. So Kenya is in no way acting out of the ordinary considering it's an African country. Working at Premier, which shares stories from a Christian perspective, I often cover abortion stories. Even here in the UK, Ealing Council in West London voted to introduce a public space protection zone, sort of like, let's say, a buffer zone to ban pro-life vigils outside a Mary Stopes abortion centre. And many of the people that hold or would hold these prayer vigils were Christian. 
And I, as a Christian, understand their motive. They're wanting to protect unborn children, but I've also always disagreed with that kind of delivery. I don't think the majority of women decide to have an abortion easily. And I can imagine the last thing that they want added to their plate is someone making them feel guilty for what they may or may not do. This is the thing. They could be arriving at the centre simply to talk about abortion being an option. But I don't think we have a right to force our own opinion on other women. We don't know these people's stories, how they've come to be pregnant or why they feel that they can't carry that child and give birth to it. If I got pregnant now, I would keep it. But that's easy for me to say. I'm married. My husband and I work. We have a home. We have both agreed that we want another child. But what about people that can't say the same? People that have been raped. People that don't feel financially capable of raising a child. People that aren't emotionally stable enough to cope with perhaps giving birth to a child only to give it away once they have it? What about people that can't, for health reasons, carry a child without putting their own lives at risk? The list can go on and on and on, far beyond the point where I can judge anyone comfortably for the choice that they may or may not make. In Nigeria, abortion is only permitted to save the life of a woman, to preserve physical health, and apparently to preserve mental health as well. Two physicians are required to certify that the pregnancy poses a serious threat to the life of a woman for an abortion to be permitted. That doesn't mean women and girls aren't going and taking dangerous medication to abort children. That's the biggest issue with banning abortion. You can't ban coat hangers as well or medication that has side effects that can lead to miscarriages. Females will find a way, a backstreet alley if they have to, to do whatever they feel they need to do. I wanted to find out what Nigerians think about the country's law on abortion, so I asked them. I feel like abortions should be legal in Nigeria because, well... It doesn't make any sense that we are all against abortions because of moral and religious reasons. And then at the end of the day, nobody really takes care of the kid. Nobody takes care of, you know, the mother. Plus, I feel like it's a woman's decision. I don't want to have a child. Yes, I made a mistake and um, I want to get it fixed. I think I should be allowed to uh, get that done safely. Oh, I absolutely disagree with abortion being illegal in Nigeria because I, I genuinely feel that it should be a question of choice for the person who owns their body to choose if they want to, to keep a child or if they're not ready for that sort of level of responsibility in that scenario or in cases where there was some form of abuse that led to the pregnancy. From my perspective, I agree with abortion being illegal because if you're not ready why have sex in the first place i support abortion being illegal in our country i strongly disagree because it's a crime to do it people now go and use you know they use crude metals to do it some people say they stuff ions uh, some iron whatever into them to get rid of the pregnancy and hurt them and they end up hurting themselves in the process you know they damage their womb and all of that i feel like if 
abortion was legalized, people can go to, you know, go to a hospital and get it done properly. The SOAF Podcast. Ethiopia has been ranked the worst country in the world for access to toilets at homes. It's actually the second year in a row it's been unfortunate enough to be crowned as the worst by the charity Water Aid. 2.3 billion people in the world don't have somewhere safe to go to the toilet. And in Ethiopia, 93% of people lack basic sanitation where they live. This is really, really serious. Bad sanitation is one of the world's biggest killers and it hits women, children, old and sick people the hardest. Every minute, a child under the age of five dies. They die because of dirty water and poor sanitation every minute. And around half the people in the world have an illness caused by bad sanitation. In sub-Saharan Africa, overall, more than 340 million children do not have access to a decent toilet. So the fact that you can pause this podcast if you want to right now and go to a clean toilet with tissue is more than a blessing and probably something that most of us don't think about. That's why I wanted to share a great initiative that you may or may not have heard about. It's called Toilet Twinning, and there are a number of charities involved. Here in the UK, Cord and Tear Fund invite people to get involved with Toilet Twinning, which involves donating just £60 to the charity, which is used to not just simply build a toilet, but to spark an amazing chain reaction to transform entire communities forever. Ever. So when you donate £60, you fund an education process that involves relationships, community meetings and workshops, teaching people how to build toilets, sharing the importance of bringing up children that use hand wash. For many communities, hearing about the link between sanitation and health is a revelation. £60 actually, in the long run, saves lives. In communities hit by disaster or conflict, the cost of providing a toilet is far higher than £60, but lower in other places. So overall, the average cost per household for a water and sanitation programme is about 60 quid. If you head over to toilettwinning.org, you can find out loads more information. And if you decide to donate, you'll get a certificate to hang in your bathroom and the GPS coordinates of the village where the toilet you've twinned with has been built. As I said, women and girls are particularly vulnerable when they don't have a loo. Toilets equal safety, dignity and privacy. As the charity says, let's flush away poverty one toilet at a time. Here's a video to highlight the importance of the toilet twinning campaign. My daughter was attacked. That day, it was around 6 p.m. My daughter asked to go to the toilet. So she went into the bush. She came back running and crying, saying she had been attacked. I could see how her face looked. She had some bruises and scratches to the neck. My daughter was about 14 years old at the time. Five years ago, my mother was very sick with very bad diarrhea. We rushed her to hospital during the night, carrying her on our backs. The doctor told us that if we had waited much longer, 
we would have lost our mother. They explained that water was being contaminated by toilet built in the wrong place and this was why my family suffered many illness. When we used to feel sick, we'd miss classes and that would affect our performance at the end of term exams. When I finished school, I want to become a nurse. To achieve this, I need to stay healthy. The SOAF Spotlight Today's spotlight is on Biafra, a country being fought for by many, but unlike Nigeria's civil war from 1967 to 1970, it is for the most part a non-physical fight. I've grown up hearing so many stories from my mum about her dad, who was a minister in the eastern region, which prior to the war was an administrative region in Nigeria. He was killed, shot in a stadium alongside most of the people serving in the eastern region, accused of supporting the separatists and wanting Nigeria to split so Biafra could be formed. Some of his colleagues were tied to moving vehicles with their bodies dragged along until they were killed and their bodies became unrecognizable. My dad told me about what it was like to have no food after the Nigerian army literally used starvation as a weapon of war and stopped food and aid from being taken into the Biafran region. I'll never be able to get the image of the malnourished Biafrans featured on Time magazine that brought the devastating effects of the war to the world stage. I went to an event in Akwaibom held to honor all the people from the state that were killed during the war and I heard such awful stories. So when I hear about people calling for Biafra today, let's just say I'm a little bit skeptical. But people are calling for Biafra and I wanted to understand why. So I spoke to the London leader of the indigenous people of Biafra, better known as IPOB. What's your full name? My full name is Chikelwem Obwana. Uh, called Uzoka. Uzoka. That's a nice yeah. name. I got in touch with you after someone that I know saw you um, protesting. I think it was outside Seven Sisters Station. What was that protest about? It's actually a protest and uh, a call for uh, support for referendum. We are uh, protesting to call international community to come to our aid because uh, we have been forced to it by such marriage by British uh, government during the colonization. So for that reason, we are asking uh, for self-determination for we to call for a referendum and the international community to support a referendum in that uh, contraption so that for we to decide whether to be part of Nigeria or not. So that is what it's all about. And when you say for us to decide, where is the line to be drawn? 
as in what would make up Biafra? What would make up Biafra, uh, uh, in olden days, before the British came, there was nothing like Nigeria. Nigeria is just uh, less than 15 years old, uh, by, uh, created by two people, Lord Lugard and Trollashon, that is uh, during the collaboration. So to start with, uh, uh, we, we are the indigenous people of Biafra, the Biafra people, and uh, when you come to Nigeria, there's a... Uh, this very ethnic city called uh, Ududua, that is the Yorubas from the west, and it goes to northern states. There's this very ethnic city called Arawas, the Hausas, and it comes to our area, the eastern zone, we are the Biafrans. That's what a British country did because of divide and rule and because of the oil in our section during the Harold Wilson as the prime minister then. So what they did is to bring three people, three different people that doesn't have common value system and match them together and call them Nigerian. As I'm speaking to you, I don't know what Nigeria means. I don't know the meaning of Nigeria. So in actual sense, we are different people. We don't speak the same language. We don't eat the same food. We don't look alike. We don't dress alike. We don't have anything that binds us together. So, but we are being forced. That's why I said earlier on, we are being forced into a marriage to benefit uh, Britain, to be able to take whatever belongs to our people. So that is what, that is what uh, caused the war during 1967, stroke 7, to Putin had for over three years. I'm from a bomb. That would throw me into the mix as well, right? If it was to divide, then I, I would be from, I would have to say I'm from Biafra if that was to happen. Yeah. But, I mean, just, let me help you on that area. In actual sense, we have uh, 25 provinces of, of, that make up Biafra. So, which acquire uh, uh, bomb, all this acquire uh, uh, bomb, uh, Kaladare, uh, Ibibio, Efi, Kurobo, all these areas, they are part of the program. But do you remember during the Biafra war, a lot of things? Because in uh, the media, there a lot of uh, damage uh, to our people in the sense that the said all manner of lies that uh, Biafra is for evil people, also and so forth. In actual sense, Biafra is not only for evil speaking. Igbo is just part of Biafra. Igbo is a language inside the Biafra, just like Calabar is still a, a part of it. And the, for instance, the the uh, Biafra of it and does not belong to it but between five provinces of Biafra that uh, uh, of uh, ethnicity that make up Biafra. So in actual sense, the divide alone is not only the outside and the urban disease. British taught them a lot of things in terms of this very uh, divide and rule. Take for instance, when you go to Niger Delta or when you go to uh, some part of uh, Delta State or some part of uh, 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 Cross River, you see a lot of them speaking Igbo here, here Igbo, then just like, for instance, good luck, Ebele, Jonathan, and Ruth, me, and Michi, so on and so forth. So things like that. When you go to North, there's nothing like, uh, for instance, divide and rule or minority, or this person is not minority, this person is minority. So that's what I have to say. So, uh, Canada or whatever, I see them as my own people because we are one. 
Yeah, but I no, I, I understand what you're saying, but even I, I can only speak for say a choir bomb, because I know like a choir bombites, they're very proud, very in touch with their culture and that there are, you know, there are many, many, many Aquaibon people that do not speak Igbo, for instance. Even within Aquaibon itself, there's different dialects. Someone that's from Oron might not be able to understand someone that's from Abak, say. There's, there's, in Aquaibon state alone, Ibibio, Anang, Oron, they're like so many different languages. So within the country that we call Nigeria, we're all very, we've all got our own culture, language. But I, I still wonder, even with our cultural differences within Nigeria, do you think it's impossible for Nigerians to live together as one with all their differences? Of course, it is impossible. Because we don't have a common value system, because we are not meant to be one to start with, because Nigeria don't practice what is called democracy. So for that reason, a lot of things, more than one million and one, that would make us not to be lived together as one. Because to start with, look at what is happening in APC and PDP. So uh, the two houses has to come out to vie for a presidential race. So if you vote APC, you vote AUSA. You vote PDP, you vote AUSA. So in actual sense, that shows you that we are not one. We are not civilized. We are not meant to be one. So in other words, there is a lot of things that can never make us to live together as one. Before, it's only football that unites Nigeria, but today, football doesn't unite Nigeria again. The only thing that unites Nigeria now is corruption. As long as how someone can get a bribe and give to a man, a Yoruba man, or uh, a Fik or Calabar, that is the thing that unites them. So we are not one, and there's nothing that we we'll have because the live like one. We saw what happened in the past when the Biafra War came about. What will be different this time? Do you really see the Nigerian government ever allowing for Biafra to be formed without blood being spilt? Yes, because it's not in their hand. Uh, like I stated, we are all that uh, during Nigerian Biafra War, 1967-70, because the world was not civilized there. But today, uh, a lot of things that is happening is on Twitter, is on social media, is on everywhere. And Nigeria is a signatory to the same determination under the, the uh, UN Charter. So in actual sense, it's not in their hands because uh, Nigeria is not in their hands to decide whether their friends are going to be free. It's in our hands to call for the freedom, and that is what we are calling for now. So I don't think there's anything that will be uh, that will trigger the war because international communities are watching. International communities are seeing what is going on in that very country, that these people are calling for self-determination and they never lay a hand on anything. And in other words, they are not terrorists. They are only advocating for their freedom, which is allowed, uh, which is uh, which is uh, allowed to indigenous people to call for. So it's not in the hand of Nigeria. It's in the hand of the international community to do justice and do what is right. It's just like, for uh, example, 
grew up hearing a lot of stories about Biafra because I lost both of my grandfathers to the war and I used to say when I was younger that you know oh I'm from Biafra and then I would get told I'm only saying this because I don't understand what it means to actually live through a war and and that is what is my my biggest fear is that at what cost will a, a, a state of Biafra what will that cost I disagree with that. Like I said earlier on, it's not in the hands of Nigeria. Uh, if you go to you read what United Nations said, uh, you will find out that uh, in actual sense, it is the right of indigenous people to decide whether to be part of such and such. Thing. There's no war here in uh, in Britain for going out of issue. So the same, uh, the same process we want to go is just for uh, United Nations to recognize and give a date for referendum. So in other words, uh, the war that happened 1967 stroke 70 uh, is not only Nigeria call for that battle war. It is the uh, the British authority. The British, because they said it, Harold Wilson said it, uh, you are not going to give us the oil, you don't want to allow us to take the oil, for that reason, we will kill you until you are prepared to take the oil. So it was uh, something them, them, them themselves, the uh, engineers, to make sure that they wipe our people away. So but this time around, it's not going to happen like that. Uh, it is a right of indigenous people of Biafra, and that is why we don't pray to lay hands on on anything called harm, we are not, not we are not praying for that. We are not praying for war because we value life. Like I said earlier on, we value life. Me and you know that that we value life. We value the life of people live. We don't take away lives. So for that reason, we are not calling for war. We are calling for peaceful agitation and do what is justice and what is right. So for that reason, I will say no. I don't think there will be war again because international communities are watching. I want to understand this right. It's not a fight that you're asking for. You're asking for the right for the people that would make up Biafra to have a say and decide if they want to be a part of Nigeria or not. Yes, it is a right. That's what we are asking for. We are not just saying, we're saying there's a, there's a right for indigenous people and the right is there. Let's do the necessary thing. It's not by, uh, uh, by uh, facing us with AK-47. Give us a date for referendum. For we to put a ballot box, Nigeria is there, uh, Biafra is there. Let people willingly, voluntarily do what is right. If you want to vote for Nigeria, Cast your vote there. If you want to vote for Biafra, cast your vote there. And along the line, the international community will observe the the uh, referendum process and see if Nigeria won. Fine, we uh, rest our case and we say that we have been defeated. Really, that would be it. That would be it. Yeah. <laughs> this is very difficult because Nigerian government, even the international community, even the world, even the Britain, 
that is causing these very atrocities, that is causing these very problems. They knew that Biafra will emerge and Biafra will go. If they set up a ballot box today, me and you know that Biafra will go. Nigeria will not get 10% vote. Biafra will go. So where will this leave someone like for me, I'm married to someone that's Yoruba, I have a son, he's half Yoruba, he's half from a choir bomb. Will he be welcome if Biafra is formed? Of course, uh, they are really welcome because uh, we should embrace the uh, what is called the dual nationality. I cannot, for instance, if my junior sister is married to Aosaban, uh, we are talking about love. Uh, it's not that uh, every Aosa man is bad. It's not that every Igbo man is bad. It's not that every every other man is bad. We should put all these things into consideration. So some of us living here in United Kingdom have been opportunity to marry a white woman or a white man. So which I'm looking forward that if Biafra come, that I'm gonna wonder and say, son, come and know where I come from. Of course. He should be able to obtain a Biafran passport as a dual nationality. So in the same one is the same thing is applicable to any of our sisters who happen to uh, have anything to do with Yoruba man and they have a, a child. So I cannot throw my niece or my cousin or my whatever my nephew away. Uh, how should you bring that very person? It's not the cause of uh, it's not uh, the problem, it's not the cause of whatever we might have uh, uh, went through during the Nigerian hand or whatever. So we should respect that dual nationality and we should see that very person as a there's nothing wrong with that. Overheard on the web. We've all heard my yay is different from your yay, right? The video and screen grab of the artist doing it has gone viral. The backing track to this meme or video is Burner Boy's song that came out this year called Yay. But the British musician Osh This Side, who I hadn't heard of before, but he has got a great voice, sang over the song with My Yay is different from your yay. Dripping in sauce, the drip dripping so saucy. <laughs> Don't laugh. Anyway, he posted it on Twitter and people went crazy. He's Honestly, he's got such a great voice, don't you think? Um, but I just love the internet when it decides that something is just too good not to be shared. Well, my friend Ola, known as Ola the Comedian, shared a post on Instagram with a close-up of Osh this side's hand in the video. Ola hashtagged it as the Osh hand and said that with this hand gesture, he'll finally tell some of his friends that they can't rap. A new level of confidence. Here's the video he shared after. I got a 2 2 from one of the finest universities in the world. I'm currently winning the battle against pornography. I now have more people following me on Instagram than I follow. I did the insanity workout once. I buy most of my sneakers on sale. 
I got mad emails, but they're spread across so many different programs. I can't actually go anywhere with them. Nigerian fried rice is not worth the hassle. The Slow Av Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the So Af podcast. And I want to give a special shout out to people listening from Nigeria. Last weekend, there was like over a thousand people that listened from Lagos. I don't know who shared the podcast that made it go so far and wide, but thank you. I hope that you'll be sticking around in the future and getting in touch with me on Instagram and on Twitter at Enor Adeogun. It's so great to connect with people that are enjoying the podcast. I hope it will continue to just get better and better, really. Um, I'll be back next week, but until then, bye-bye.